Soccer Show or Vuvu Soccer Show. This is Eric Nash. I'm flying solo early today. A lot of great guests coming on the phone. Thorne Holder will be with us. Will be with us shortly. We uh, are starting an hour early today, as you can see, because a basketball uh, game is coming up later. So uh, let us uh, talk a little bit about the beautiful sport. Um, and uh, as you prepare for the basketball game and whatever else you're doing on this beautiful, lovely. Sunday afternoon. I don't even, I don't know how many adjectives I could possibly use to describe the weather. Um, global warming, don't know, but I believe today went up into the 70s or the low 70s, which was apparently the highest it's ever reached on this day in 160 years or so that they've been keeping accurate accounting of that. So that's something. So if you're not out getting a suntan, give us a call at 888-728-9941. Um, Great, great week. Uh, we'll start out with uh, the EPL uh, matches. Uh, uh, you know, as a Tottenham fan, once again, I'm scratching my head saying, why can't we w- win a match at White Hart Lane against an inferior team uh, when it really matters? Tottenham uh, had the lead in this game against Newcastle United, who was certainly was a good team. They're certainly not a very, very good team lately. And in fact, they are very close to being relegated, although Tottenham seemed to help them in that campaign because uh, after getting up one nothing at home, Tottenham going to halftime uh, looked pretty good for Spurs to take their move or make their big move for the first time in a million years, it seems, into the uh, top four Champions League spot. But it was not to be. Uh, Newcastle United continued to... To, to ply away, ply away. Tottenham was started to play a little bit of a defensive uh, formation, and they had a goal, a ball that trickled in, you know, one of those, like, in-between balls uh, where the defense, the, 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 the back players for Tottenham slid into the ball and kind of couldn't keep it out and almost, you know, pushed it in up against Hugo Lloris. And then uh, they had a goal on, on, on a break, and uh, which looked to be like it missed the net, but apparently it went right in, in deep in the stoppage time. And Tottenham goes from three to one to zero points, which was really, well, uh, you know, it's pretty upsetting for me as a Spurs fan. Once again, you don't get too many chances when uh, when United uh, gives you an opening. We didn't take it. Thus, we're sitting in, you know, in a in a points draw or points tie for for fifth place. Um, so that was kind of weak. We were at the Iron Abbey and we had a good time. Um, Bob Long and some others uh, uh, watching the game, having, having some good food at our sponsor, the Iron Abbey. But, uh, and, the, and I did get a chance to meet Santa Claus who was there, so that was really good, you know. Um, good food, good company, bad results uh, on the day. Give us a call to talk about, talk about it at 888-728-9941. I'm waiting for Kevin Kasaki, uh, my buddy from the West Coast, who uh, is all ready to, to chat up all the big soccer events, both international, national, and uh, club events that went on in the last, uh, the last uh, week. But we'll wait for him. But, you know, anybody wants to call um, about the matches today, it would be great to, it'd be great to hear from you. Uh, once again, that's 888 728 9941 and you can get on and talk to me and now I believe 
my guest is on. Is my guest on? Thank you, sir. Ryan, thank you. Uh, Kevin Kasaki, are you there, my friend? Yes, I am. How are you today? Thank you for being prompt today. I, I truly appreciate, I appreciate that very much. Um, thank you very much. I know it's a lot earlier there on the West Coast. But oh, that's okay. Now, we had a great... And, and Kevin, first of all, before we get started, tell, tell the folks out there in Radioland uh, what you do and what, what you do as far as radio is concerned so they can, uh, so they can check you out. I have a, a, a two-hour show every Monday night from 9 to 11 Pacific called Football Matters, and it airs on chaoticradio.com. That's K-A-O-T-I-C radio.com. Uh, we're also, uh, you know, we also have a Facebook page at myfootball, you know, facebook.com forward slash myfootballmatters, uh, as well as, uh, as Twitter at myfbmatters. But uh, we do our show. It's, it's live every Monday night. Uh, a little bit late for you guys, but we do a podcast. We usually get it up within 48 hours, and uh, uh, we put the links out on social media as well. Really good stuff, and football does matter. And it's not too late for me because I'm getting old, man. I can't sleep anyway, you know. About two and a half hours a night, and I'm good, so I'm listening. But uh, <laughs> right, well, let's, start, let, let's start it out. EPL, wow. So, so many matches today. You, you had uh, – well, let's talk about United first of all, Manchester United, I'm sure – that that's the first game you'd like to chat about. Yeah, you know it's um, it's a bit strange the uh, round of results that uh, United United's getting, or in this case yesterday, lack of results. But you just don't see the same sort of United team that you do. I mean, even under going back to Moyes, I mean, certainly United is definitely about possession based because that's what Louis Van Louis Van Gaal uh, uh, you know uh, promotes. But whether it's the lack of final ball, whether it's the lack of finishing, whether it's the lack of, of, of resources for yesterday for certainly because of the injuries, I think United was missing nine uh, outfield players yesterday due to injury. And it looks very much like a reserve team in the back, except for Daly Blind. But, uh, you know, the, the results just aren't coming. And I know that, uh, that, that the board is certainly watching. Ed Woodward was spotted in the crowd, which is something that you hardly ever see the chief executive uh, at Manchester United attending an away match. What are you saying there, Kevin? Are you breaking some news here for us? As I, I far wish, as they, I, I mean, I know, I, I know the fans are unhappy. Certainly, with the, the the lack of scoring, that's been a big that's been a big issue. You know, um, well, what do you think the problem is? I mean, obviously, you know, they're they're studying in fourth place thanks to the ineptitude of my Tottenham team uh, today, but they're still they're still hanging on the fourth place. I mean, are things that bad there? You know, you would look back after Ferguson left and say fourth place was actually good, but I think fourth place, but it's the way that the fourth place looks. If you watch their their form and everything, that you would say that it, it's, a, it's a result of this could be anybody's year as Leicester currently is sitting at the top of the table, and, and everybody's expecting that bubble to bust at some point when it just isn't. And maybe it's Van Gaal's uh, rotation tactics is, is why – we're left with with very little experience. Uh, whether it's the you know going out of the League Cup early and, and not having those games to field a younger team, uh, whether it's the injuries. Uh, yesterday, ESPN was you know brought up a uh, a thing that they've they've upped their contract talks with uh, Pep Guardiola, uh, and and I think that everyone was waiting for some credible source to come out and say you, you know and, and give you that that information. Now you know what now you have it. Now that's you know I mean, so basically you know none of this is going to happen this season. Do you think? 
I mean, Guardiola is not. I mean, they're looking at him for the summer. They're looking at him as an immediate replacement. If the uh, if it's Pep Guardiola, it would have to be at the end of of the year, obviously, okay. because he's under contract at Bayern Munich, and whether Bayern Munich will let him out of his deal to even talk to United. Uh, but one name that's swirling out there that he certainly doesn't have a job right now is Carlo Ancelotti. Mm-hmm, yeah. So. Always big names, but but Van Gaal was a big name. Is a big name. I mean, really. I mean, do you think that this is reasonable to get into a semi-panic stage right now at United? You know, with you know, the, with the management. Everybody always wants to, wants to give time, and and this is you know certainly a a, a deal. You know, the the first year that Van Gaal was there, the 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 goal was to get back in the Champions League. Well, he got back in the Champions League, didn't get out of the group stage this year, and and I think that. Cost somewhere United in the neighborhood of about almost 40 million euros. And of course, now he's going to go back to the board and say, well, now I need to buy a striker because I sold off everybody that we had in terms of who could finish and I didn't replace anybody. You know, obviously the likes of, and this is the one that befuddles everybody, is the, the form that Chicharito is in right now. Yeah, really? What, at, what was at, the problem at, at with him? You know? <laughs> no, no, you're right. I mean, he is a star this year. Um, I mean, but then again, he never really got a true shot. Didn't seem to me, at least in the year, last year and a half or so, with United. Would that would that be fair? I mean, Rooney. It was always Rooney's position. You know what I mean? They, you know, they they had other options. You know, they had Van Persie. They they had other options. It didn't seem like they were ever going to get Chicharito off the bench, except for you know late game cameos. I mean, that's what I, that was what it looked like to me anyway. Yeah, and and you know, I always thought that by keeping him, you know. Uh, Keeping him around in, in cases like that, in, in, in terms of you know, rotating your squad, certainly, because at some point, you know, you need to. You can't just run out the same starting 11 every game. Uh, but I, I think that this is all coming back to, to bite Van Gaal a little bit. And, you know, you look at the, the way that Bournemouth played yesterday was very much, you see that you saw the fight in them. And, and that's what I think that you used to see out of United. And, and nowadays you don't. You used to see that out of the Chelsea's, and now you don't. But I think you could almost, yeah, it's funny, Kevin, because you could almost say the same thing about Chelsea, like you said, uh, City at times this year. There seems to be a, a real, you know, I don't know if parity is the right word, but the closest thing that we've had to parity in the top tier in England for, for a long time, you know? Uh, yeah, I think if you if you look at it from top to bottom, I mean, the fact that, you know, you're waiting for Chelsea, obviously, to flip the switch and whether it comes tomorrow uh, at at the King Power against Leicester is certainly an anomaly. I mean, at any point, that team has the has the strength to obviously flip the switch. But then again, so does Manchester City, and it seems to be at times that that's a team that I really can't understand. Is that you have a lot of firepower on that team when with when you have a healthy Sergio Aguero, right. and you know it just seems slow to go, and and you you know you lose to. You know, Liverpool one week, you get killed by Liverpool, in fact. And then mm-hmm. the next week, you, you end up, you know, beating a, an equally top-side team very handily. Now, especially I, when you're doing well in Europe as well. Yep, so I just want to introduce uh, Thornholder. Are you there on the line? Yes, how are you doing? How are you, my friend? I'm sorry for, <laughs> I'm so sorry for the mix-up. We get bounced around with a lot of the soccer. I thought we were all on the same page, so I apologize. I'm looking for the memo, so thank you for calling in on the way in. So oh, I pre- indeed, indeed. I appreciate that. You know, I was I was listening, and um, as far as let's say replacement for Van Hal at Manchester, um, I feel like uh, 
what what does Manchester uh, United need right now? Do they need another big name coach? Uh, do they need someone that has won a lot of championship, or do they need to go a new route? Now, this new route, I have a let's say uh, a real trick up my sleeve here, um, as far as who could replace Van Hull, as far as what Manchester United needs right now, and I feel it would be a coach like like Ranieri, Claudio Ranieri. Not that he hasn't won anything. But as far as what he has done uh, with with Leicester City this year, um, and let's see what um, uh, what has happened at Chelsea with Mourinho, uh, we feel like, hey, this might work. Anyway, that's my input for, for that aspect of uh, the coaching replacement. I think they have to go a new route, um, try something new. And uh, as far as who's the star player, as far as coaching right now, um, I would say Ranieri is in top form. What do you think about, Kevin, what do you think about, you know, Leicester City? I've been going on, well, not a rant, but I've been certainly very constant in my my opinion that, you know, they really hadn't been tested, you know, so much and the schedule would catch up with them. But, you know, I'm starting to say, you know, the season as we get close to Christmas, you know, it looks like maybe they Leicester City is for real. And what a story that is, you know, really, that if they could somehow – the, pull the Premier League out, you know, the Championship Premier League. That's quite quite the story in years, I think. Imagine to come in and, and burst the bubble like that, right, with a, with a journeyman coach, essentially, who was at one point effectively known as the Tinkerman. In other words, he would rotate a squad almost every single game. Well, we were talking about on our show last week that maybe that maybe he's learned from that, right, and maybe that that is part of the the success that he's having at Leicester right now. You know, you look at the Leicester squad, and there's really not, even before at the beginning of the season, before Jamie Vardy had this, you know, this kind of form going. But if you looked at it from top to bottom, you'd wonder yourself, what is so special about this team? Like, there's no big name, there's no big draw in here, but yet they get results. And you went to the first, I think they lost the first game, and then they slowly started to to peck upon their way up to the top of the table. And, And you look at that and you go, you know, some of it's coaching and some of it's the informed players, but I think that Lester just brings, you know, not, not ever being in that position before, and you really don't know how it's going to play out. And, Eric, like you said, when you get to the Christmas timetable and, and the next form of games that they have uh, against the Chelsea's, and I guess the, I think they play the, the bigger names of the EPL, this is going to separate them. You know, we always make fun of Christmas, quote, Christmas champions. You know, Newcastle in 1996 was certainly a – Christmas time champion when they had an eight point lead. You know, Liverpool a few years ago was a Christmas champion. Uh, and then those are the teams that just don't don't wind up being champions at the end of the season. So thirty eight games is a very long time. Can Leicester keep this up? You know, only time will tell. Yeah. I mean uh, so you, you, Go ahead. You mentioned tinkering, um, tinkering. And uh, uh, as far as two teams that have let's say big name teams, one is a lot bigger, uh, more recently Chelsea and another who has a lot of pedigree, Aston Villa. And we look at why, hasn't, uh, why haven't these two teams had success? They had the players, they had the, the top coaches. And what hasn't happened? And we look at what's happening at uh, Leicester, and you mentioned tinkering, and he has found, let's say, a magic formula. You know, we look at Leicester, what's working? Why are they so great right now? And let's say this coach has found a formula uh, to, to have the players motivated and playing for each for each other with each other. I watched that Aston Villa game today, and, and you know they're not playing as a team. They don't care, um, and 
you know, you don't see that in every moment that uh, every Leicester player plays, you know. So he has brought the team together. Uh, there's a glue keeping them together, and I feel it's the magician coach that has made this happen. <laughs> pedigree, you know, pedigree or not, Aston Villa could very well be the worst team in the EPL this year. I was utterly bored with that match today. You know, it was an early morning yeah. match. I, I woke up really early to head out to the out to the Iron Abbey, and I was very disappointed with it, with what I thought was a very subpar effort. Or maybe that is their par effort. Maybe that's what they are this year. Yeah, that, that, uh, the writing has been on the wall the past couple of years. They, they have been, uh, you know, bottom six, you know, last six teams, last two years. Um, but uh, on, on another note, you look at that Liverpool game today. Uh, oh, you saw something happen at the end of the game, which which shows what it meant to come back here and what type of coach it is. Um, uh, beautiful goals. Uh, one was disallowed right before the half, which kind of broke the heart, um, broke the heart of that team. Yeah, that, uh, yeah. You mean with the West Brom fans, the the West Brom goal that was disallowed. I yeah, I yeah. agree, but yeah, but once again, I mean, I know that was a crazy inordinate. I think it was eight or nine minutes of stoppage time, Kevin. But they yeah. did, they did get, they did get the goal. And conversely, at the Tottenham game, Tottenham was up one nothing. Uh, they got the you know the game was tied at about you know ten minutes left in the match, and then they lost late in stoppage time. Okay, so, you know, there was a, you know, in Tottenham Gunners, Tottenham didn't need another draw, but they certainly didn't need a, a big goose egg, which is what they ended up getting. And at the end of the day, they, Liverpool got a point and Tottenham got zero. So I don't yeah, know. So, you know yeah. go, go ahead. No, it's okay. Go ahead. You talk about inches. Um, we see that horrific tackle, which deserved a red card in that Liverpool game. And uh, I felt like that's karma <laughs> coming back at you. You know, because he's supposed to get that red card. They were supposed to be down 10 guys. Um, Liverpool were playing better soccer anyway. Um, so that, that little... And we're not going to take away from the effort of the team, the consistency, perseverance, not at all. Um, but these little... It was a deflection, you know. It's a piece of luck, as they say. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't take anything away from, the, uh, from Origi and his shot. That was beautiful. He created his, the space. He stood his ground. He could have fallen and, and taken a free kick, but no, he kept on. And, and he had a fantastic shot. And uh, it, it fell in place. It fell in place, you know, with the, with the injury and the red card not happening. I think it fell into place. Yeah, it was a bit of unlucky by Dejan Lovren to be on the, uh, the other end of that horrible, horrible tackle. But, you know, like you said, yeah. you know, what goes around comes around, I guess. And poetic justice uh, – <laughs> for, uh, you know, uh, obviously lasted in the end of it when you when you look at the Origi's goal at the very end. I think for me, what was odd in that game mm-hmm. was after the game, when Klopp got his Liverpool guys and went right in front of the right in front of the cop. And usually, you don't do that for a draw. I mean, you see that a lot of you in, in European matches, mm-hmm. but you usually yeah. don't see that in a draw. And I thought that was it was kind of odd, but yet Jurgen bringing that sort of maybe that continental flavor uh, back yeah. and, and getting getting the crowd involved, uh, uh, you know, at Anfield a little bit. Yeah, I mean... That, and there's something else. Sorry, all right, go ahead. And I was just saying that, yeah, that was very interesting. Now, unfortunately, I was... Or, or fortunately, it depends how you look at it. I, I was watching the Tottenham game in the same bar, and I couldn't see both both matches. So yes, yes. I'm just wondering if you guys... Tell me how how I can deal with 
with this situation that happened today. And I have a team that hasn't lost a game since opening match until today, okay? Very long time. Unfortunately, they drew eight games, and now they're sitting, you know, in fifth place. But this was their chance, first time in years, to really get climb into the top four. They're home against a team that's battling it out for releg- in a relegation spot, and they get the one nothing lead, and they, they pull a Spurs, and they totally just, just flop and lose the game in magnificent fashion. How do I deal with that? How does my team not get up for that match? Talk about not having the fire. How do they not put a bad Newcastle team away, you know, in their own home park with, every, with a lot on the line, you know? Tell me, Kevin. Did, well, so help me explain this one. Right. Yeah. Either guy, either guy. I, I think, when, I think yeah. when you look at it, you know, you, you every team should go in into every single match saying, thinking that that's a top side team. You know, that's a side you have to beat. Unfortunately, you play down the level of your opponent in, in a lot of cases, and, and, and I think that translates into any kind of sport. Whether you look at the thing and you, you look at the standings and you say, all right, well, we've got the third to the last place. We've got a relegation side team coming today. You know, maybe we can get by on, on talent alone. And then, you know, once the score was evened up a little bit, I think maybe it went into a little panic mode. And, and yeah, you know what? That goal came in stoppage time against total run of play. But certainly there were there were signs of that match where Tottenham could have taken all, all three points and, and just kind of let Newcastle stick around. And when you let a team stick around, I don't care who it is, whether it's the 20th place team or the 10th place team, mm-hmm. That if that side that sticks around, they're going to find a way eventually to to, to finish it off. It's, I think it's what you kind of love, or what I love and hate about soccer. You know, in a nutshell, you know what I mean. You you never. It's a low scoring game, and you're never really out of it. It makes for great upsets and great stories. But sometimes you just wish things would grow truer, truer to form. You know, and today was one of those days. You know, and you know, look, the teams are going to slip up. It just seems that it bothers me that my Spurs always, always seem to slip up at home against the Norwiches of the world, okay, and the, the Newcastle. Well, Newcastle has been a good team for a long time, but that type of team, you know, the Sunderlands of the world, you know, that's the games that they slip up late and get nothing out of it. And it just it just kills me. Now, now, being a United fan, you don't have that same feeling, do you? That same problem? Of I mean, course. You think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm maybe this maybe this season. I don't know. Maybe this yeah, season. But, yeah. But you know, I love you more. Always, I would argue. <laughs> yeah. You know, because being United and being the Uniteds and the Chelseas and the Arsenals, you know that regardless of whatever standing, you're getting your best shot anywhere you play in that league. You, you get it. You know, even in Europe too. You know, against the the uh, the Bate Borisovs of the world that mm-hmm. that you know really barely squeak into European competition, but they're going to throw their best at you, and they're going to come with an entire town or country in their stadium. You know, the, if you talk to people, uh, you know, attending one of those, you know, uh, Bate Borisov United games, and you'll probably find out that there were 170,000 people there at that match when that stadium only holds 10, 15,000. So you're going to get your best from everybody week in and week out, it, no, no matter what, you know, even the Aston Villas in this world. Now, when you guys, like, when you go as Manchester United and you go in to Bournemouth, which is a team that, that you know, is showing a lot of character, and they certainly don't have the funding of the, these teams, and it's got to be a killer. But, I, I mean, I could certainly see Tottenham have, have fallen into that trap. But aren't they the second team that lost 
at Bournemouth, the second top tier team that have lost there. Didn't we? Didn't, didn't I believe so? Yeah, Chelsea. They've you know, come up with some big, big yeah. results this year, and, and yeah. you know they moved ahead of Chelsea on the table for now. So, so the question was, I, I guess, what do you believe that United was the better team, Kevin, uh, on the pitch, and it just didn't come out that way in the score? Um, I thought it was a fair result yesterday, considering you know United uh, Van Gaal substitutions. I, I didn't, I didn't agree with, especially the last one in. in the 90th minute where he brought on, you know, Phil Jones for, you know, a, a center back. And, and I think he subbed out Patty McNair. Uh, when, when you're chasing the game and you need a goal, you don't bring on a center back. And, and even in the European match in the midweek, he subbed off Juan Mata, who was having, a, was having an excellent game. Uh, that just left everyone scratching their heads. Yeah, I've never could understand the subbing out of Mata, a, a player of, of his caliber. You know, but, you know, when you look at the league right now, I mean, every team you talk to to a fan and I talk to these diehard uh, Manchester City blue fans, you know, guys like you, Kevin, and, you know, even the Chelsea fans, although they've been kind of quiet <laughs> lately. But it's funny when I, when I talk to them, they all say, well, you know, we get a lot of injuries, you know, and I understand Man City. They tell me the Aguero, it's a company of two very, very, very strong players. Uh, no doubt Arsenal has plenty of injuries, but, but Arsenal somehow seems to right their ship within the injuries, you know, looking at a team that seems to be playing through some problems and, and you know, pulling out the rabbit out of the hat and getting through to the knockout stage of the Champions League was a huge motivational builder for them, I believe, you know. That was very big because they were pretty much uh, left for dead, you know, a couple of weeks back in that, that competition. You know, you look at a team like Arsenal and – you know, obviously haven't won the league since 2004, yet they're in a very prime position right now to make a statement, you know, and, and separate themselves. And, and when the rest of the league is kind of muddling around, getting draws and, and maybe squeaking by or, get, or even the top teams losing, you know, this is the time when Arsenal should really take that next step. And, and whether they can do it or not with the same amount of injuries as United, you know, remains to be seen. But, but certainly if Arsene Wenger... If there's somebody in the league who who can do it, I you know I, I think it's him. I think he's got a very good shot of uh, of winning the league this year. I mean, if you would th- you would think that this may be the biggest and best chance for somebody to steal it, you know, because Chelsea is not going to get there. You know, uh, City does n- certainly does not look like the city of old. You know what I mean? I think that. Arsenal, if you had to pick right now, if you take Leicester out of the equation, and maybe that's unfair to do that, but if you take them out of the, equa- the equation, I bet Arsenal is the, be- the better uh, choice right now, the odds-on choice. I haven't looked at the odds for a while, but that would be my guess anyway. I think in terms of, of form right now, I think they're probably playing the, the better of the football with what they have out there currently. I mean, they've got a lot of injuries. Uh, a lot of them, are, some of them are short term, so they'll be back in in a couple of weeks. Uh, certainly for the Boxing Day fixtures, which is when you have the the funky three games in five or six days. When you have Boxing Day, the 28th, and then usually a New Year's Eve or New Year's Day match, and and so a lot of games in there where where certainly you're looking to get players back. And and I think you know for for an Arsenal who who really can take the bull by the horns at that point uh, because. You look at Leicester's next five games, and I think they're against the top side of the of the top seven or top ten or whatever. 
Well, if you want to call Chelsea a top-tier team this year, you know, we'll see how this match goes. This should be Monday should be a very interesting match tomorrow. So we'll see about about that. But you know, when I'm looking at all I hear, and Kevin, I don't know if this happens on your show, but Thorne and I, we we kind of talk about this, and you know, every single team is looking for their their coaches ahead. You know, on a stake. You know what I mean? Why? You know. Is it me or is it like it's worse than it, in America? We have more patience with our management than they seem to have in, in soccer. Okay, I mean, you know, there's one good coach out there. That's all you need to start the the buzz, which becomes much becomes a thud. And we're talking about teams that have had so much success over the year. You know, you're talking about you know Chelsea winning the EPL last year by the fifth game of the season. They wanted Mourinho out of there. You know what I mean? <laughs> Already they wanted him out. Arsene Wenger has been well, being run out on a rail for years now. You know, Fengal, he's going to be gone, you know. Uh, go ahead, Thornton, you want to say something? Yeah, so what the culture, if we look at uh, the contracts in America, you know, they, the, the leagues have the right to let's say they give you a three-year contract at the end of the first year you know they could release you they have that right you don't have the choice at the end of that year you either hope that you want to be in the contract and if you don't want to be in it and they want you in it then you have another two years now when we look at the contracts in england they are much more real (laughs) okay so if you have a four-year contract with a team um if they feel like you're not ready for them they will still you still hold the contract, you, they might put you out on loan um, with other teams in different divisions and so forth or different countries. So players do not get fired at the end of every year. You know, let's say in an MLS team, you might have six or seven players. Four of those might be starters that are traded, and two of those might be released outright, just waived, no trades uh, attempted. And uh, so in England... And these other leagues, we have the habit or the culture of the the coach, uh, because yeah, the coach goes because you have so many top players on on big contracts um, and more binding contracts in America. So you find in America, a coach would have about three four years where he might switch his whole roster, you know. But uh, the culture in England is a bit different, where uh, the players stay. Like Drogba, the situation with Drogba and Chelsea a couple of years ago, where he didn't like the coach. What do you, th- what do you think, Ke- Kevin? What do you think of uh, Thorne's point there? Do you think that it's more a matter of finances uh, than patience? I guess if you if you look at the the English compared to what, what Thorne's saying about here in America, I, I think it, it, I think he does have a good point. Where you know in the European game, you in, in even in England, but I'm just talking about Europe Europe in general, where you pay massive amounts of money for for uh, for somebody, right? You pay. $130 million for Ronaldo, and that's not even covering his weekly wage bill. And, and here, you would never see, for example, the Eagles paying a transfer fee to Dallas for DeMarco Murray. I mean, it, that just yeah. seems yeah. – it's very – you know, that, that's, that's not the American way. And when you bring in MLS, their wage structure is all based on a single entity where the league owns all the contracts and everything. So if they ever went to something like that, you know, I, I could I could see, but the pressure to succeed on a coach at a top team in Europe is staggering these days. And yeah. like you said, Eric, you know, like you said, Eric, you know, when you have the Chelsea's last year who won the league and are sitting in 15th place almost at the Christmas break, and you're wondering, 
certainly in the old Roman Abramovich would have fired Mourinho already. <laughs> no doubt you know, about that. Obviously, 18 right. months for a coach is a long time at Chelsea. So if you get to that break point, I think you've got a very good chance of at least making it to the end of the season. It's, in, it's and interesting. And I think if they hadn't got out of, if they had crashed out of Europe like United did, I think Roman maybe would have made a coaching change. Yeah, and we'll get to, uh, we're going we're gonna to take a break now. I'm talking to Kevin Kasaki. Uh, Thorne Holder, who was nice enough to call in. Thank you, my friend. And I'm Eric Nash. And we'll get back. Let's talk a little little MLS championship match, okay? And also, let's talk about the Champions League, where the English teams seem to uh, do do okay, you know, given the, the situations that their domestic play quality. They seem to come alive enough to most of them to uh, march forward. Most except for one, which I'm sure Kevin will tell us about, okay? Robner, Allen Robner, Zimmerman, and Nash is a law firm specializing in workers' compensation, personal injury, domestic relations, and any other legal matter affecting individuals' rights and freedoms. Eric Nash, host of Vuvuzela, the World Soccer Show, is a named partner and has been helping injured individuals for nearly 22 years. Call 215-953-2720 for a free consultation. Most legal matters are handled on a percentage basis. Call 215-953-2720. That's 215-953-2720. The law firm of Rovner, Allen, Rovner, Zimmerman, and Nash. They get results. Are you a soccer fan wondering where you can catch the soccer match with a great pub atmosphere? The Iron Abbey in Horsham is the place featuring EPL, La Liga, and Champions League. Also a proud pub partner with the Philadelphia Union with early openings Saturday and Sunday for the games with a great breakfast menu and food menu to complement the atmosphere. The Iron Abbey voted Best Bar of the Year 2015 offers 40 beers on draft and over 800 bottles to choose from. Visit their award-winning bottle shop, The Loft, for great takeout and mix and match six-packs to go. If you're a soccer fan, you have to check out Iron Abbey, the official soccer pub in the Burbs. Go to ironabbey.com for schedules and like them on Facebook to stay up to date. Please check out the Iron Abbey presents Vuvuzela World Soccer Show every Sunday from 3 to 5 on 610 Sports. Roughneck Scarfs is proud to be an official sponsor of the Vuvuzela Show. Roughneck specializes in custom scarves for schools, clubs, supporters, and corporate promotions. They're also the official scarf supplier to U.S. Soccer, MLS, USL, and NCAA. Visit roughneckscarves.com and use promo code VUVU for an exclusive discount on your next scarf order. Roughneck Scarves. Better service, better designs, better scarves. If you suffer from pain or tension, Dr. Frank McCaffrey of Academy Injury and Health Center can help. Academy Injury can help you get out of pain just like they've helped many patients in WTEL's listening audience. In fact, mention the word soccer and receive an incredible first visit special offer. Call Academy Injury and Health Center at 215-637-1212. That's 215-637-1212. Academy Injury and Health Center can get you out of pain and enhance your performance. Hey, welcome back to the Vuvu Soccer Show. Uh, Eric Nash here with Kevin Kasaki. Kevin, you still there? Yes. Okay, man. So, yeah, I didn't mean to really tease you with that on the way out. But what, what – I mean, United, they come in to the final round in the Champions League group play in first, and they leave by, I guess, goal differential in third and knock to the Europa League. What happened in that match? 
Well, there was a, a little bit of a controversy on, on a disallowed goal, but I think when when you take everything out of the out of the play, you know, um, United kind of you know it's the same old same old story. I, I think with uh, with this year, the way that this year's gone, and and the form and and the lack of, of finishing, but you know, for for once in a long time, you actually saw the the fight in United to. To maybe try to try to finish off a match, unfortunately, wound up a, a goal short. I think when you you never like to rely on other people for help because you generally never get it in this game. And, and certainly, they were looking for Cheska to, uh, to to nick a point at least, so that way that would give uh, uh, United an opportunity to at least uh, you know at least get a chance here. But uh, once once Wolfsburg took the lead in that game, that United needed four goals and, and, you know, in a very short amount of time. And, and I just didn't see it coming. Yeah. I mean, Cheska, you know, yeah, you, you, it certainly could have went better for United. I thought Cheska was going to get it, going to get a, a result there, but they didn't. Wolfsburg's a good team. I mean, there's not, you know, you're not going to find too many teams, uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv, baby, you know, aside in the Champions League that are going to be a walkover, you know, an, e- an easy team. Okay. I, I thought, you know, United, Probably deserved a better fate, and maybe they were the victim of the, uh, um, you know, of the group that they were they're drawn into, you know. And I think a little bit when you look at that first game and losing Luke Shaw the way they did on a very very bad tackle, and I think during that PSV game uh, in uh, in Holland that I, I think that took a lot of the sail out of the rest of that game, and United just looked absolutely deflated, and that was in the early early you know stages of the of the group stage. Now somehow you know, and you know, you have to give the give the dog their due, and you got to give Arsenal credit for pulling themselves off the canvas and make and moving on to the knockout stage because they were really very close to being left for dead. You know, they needed to get all six points in the last two matches and to get a certain goal spread of two goals to move forward. I believe it was two goals. Correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that was pretty, pretty impressive. And to go to the to the Olympiacos, which I know in, in Greece is a tough place to play, and to really kind of just both, you know, knock them over. I was impressed by that. I, I say that a lot, being a Tottenham fan for Arsenal. But every once in a while, they really impressed me. They impressed me the heart that they show that they showed, you know, in the last two matches. You know, maybe it was just everything evening up in that particular group. But you know, they. They they pulled it out and that was impressive. You know, sometimes your European play is a little bit better than your league play, and part of it is you're trying out different things against different tactics and different systems in other countries are different from what you see week in and week out in the Premier League. And, and certainly with with Arsenal's case, that's you know that's certainly a point. But you know Chelsea win that group going over with thirteen you know thirteen points, and when when you look at it. They barely have 13 points in a league. I know it, it's <laughs> with amazing. twice as many games. <laughs> what does that, what, Kevin? What what does that tell us though? When when Chelsea can move forward in a competition like that, which I think you're being nice to say that it's just maybe a little better, but certainly for Chelsea, uh, you know, that that's a hard thing to do. It somehow makes you wonder how they can manage to pull that off and and just stay above the relegation zone. In the in the Premier League, you know, it's it's a very strange situation that we only situations that we only, by the way, have in soccer, you know, where these you know, when a team is on top of the world, well, not on top of the world, but moving moving on in the Champions League, and you know, having problems with the Bournemouth of the world, you know, it's a very it's a very weird dichotomy. 
Well, I mean, it's almost like going years back when, you know, Liverpool were sitting in, probably almost 10 years ago, and, you know, Liverpool were barely above the, you know, top half of the table, you know, maybe eighth or ninth place, and their only way to get back into Champions League was to win the thing. So you look at it now and you say, all right, if Chelsea are going to be in, you know, the bottom half of the table for the majority of the year when, you know, they have no chance of getting top four, the only thing for this, and this has been Roman's thing for a long time, is throw all your dice at the Champions League. He wanted that Champions League trophy and he wanted a bad Moscow. How does, how do, Kevin, how, how does like Ro, Roman Abramowitz in this particular case, how do they throw their dice in the Champions League? I mean, what, what are they doing different? I'm not saying you know, not not saying tanking it so much in the EPL, but what are they doing when you say they're, they're you know, they're obviously putting their their power and what they have towards getting through there? How do they, how do they do that? Can, can you give us some examples of that? It might be formation based, mm-hmm. and what maybe a four three three works in Europe doesn't necessarily translate to in in Europe. I mean, in in England, uh, maybe they go with one lone striker. You know, maybe they go with the. Uh, uh, you know, Loic Remy or somebody big up top who who can hold the ball, uh, you know, a little bit better against European sides. Uh, a lot of it comes down to tactics. And, and Ferguson used to always play like a 4-2-3-1 type formation in Europe when he always went 4-4-2 in, in England. Hmm. And so, you know, sometimes you would say, you know, your your form in in Europe was a little bit less than what it was in the Premier League, and maybe this is the vice versa for Chelsea and Jose Mourinho right now. Is you look at it and you say, all right, you know, we have to do something different. When you look at the f- the three squads that that move forward, you know, and some may even argue that United, you know, was the best team in that competition. You know, of the four English teams, who do you think of the three remaining? Uh, have the best? Have they had? Have they had the draw yet? They they haven't they, uh, they haven't had the draw yet, correct? I don't believe so. I think it's mo- I want to say Monday. I think it's coming up this week. But who do you think? I mean, I guess that's hard without knowing who they're going to play. But who do you see as they're constituted now? Be it City, uh, Chelsea, or uh, who am I missing here? Who's the third? Arsenal team? and Arsenal. Thank you. Uh, who do you see as uh, being the? Uh, a team that could possibly, you know, bring a champion Champions League final, you know, to England or to the EPL. I think just based on coaching experience, I think I would have to go with with Chelsea. Uh, you know, again, their league form doesn't suggest they even belong here, but uh, you know, anything's a go in any competition. I mean, you, you, like for example, FA Cup. For example, you have always that one squeaker from a division one or championship side or league two side that squeaks into the upper echelon of the, of the FA cup and, you know, walks, walks into it and, you know, maybe they get out in the quarterfinals or something, but still they made a a big run in there. Chelsea and Manchester city is, is finishing top of their groups. Obviously will play a a second place side from, from one of the qualifiers, you know, from the group stage. So, You know, although Chelsea could wind up with Juventus, and certainly Juventus' form is not has not been as well as you know their fans and certainly the board would, would like. But I mean, you look at the the pedigree of of the Juventus a, a finalists last year, and certainly you know um, they could surprise anybody. You get the, the likes of you know Bayern Munich certainly seems to be a, on a on a steamrolling path in, in some cases. The, the form of Barcelona right now is staggering. Um, you know, you've got all 
the the Spanish side still left, mm-hmm. and well, I'm sorry, except for maybe Valencia, I don't think, or Sevilla, one of the two didn't uh, didn't qualify. Sevilla, but, you know, Sevilla, I, yeah. Sevilla did not. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. But and, Atletico and think, looked strong. Barcelona was very strong. Uh, total and also match. Valencia didn't and, qualify. And either, Valencia, so. correct. Uh, but and uh, and Real Madrid. I mean, they've all you know. Like usual, you know, like usual. But I guess I guess the bottom line here, wouldn't that be one of the, maybe the greatest story in sports history, as I can recollect, if Chelsea could win the Champions League and be relegated from the Premier League in the same... You saw it, you saw it a couple of years ago with Wigan winning the FA Cup over Manchester City in unlikely circumstances and then getting relegated the next yeah, year. Yeah, I hear that, but Wigan was Wigan, first of all, okay? <laughs> Secondly, no, but, we, you know, Wigan is, is a rugby town, so I understand it, okay? But also, they won the FA Cup. They did win the Champions League. My God, can you imagine winning the Champions League, the best team in Europe, and you get relegated? It, it's probably, how would you get a side like how would you get a side like Belgian side Ghent, for example, that uh, that squeaked into well, I shouldn't say squeaked in they they won their the right to be finished second place in that Group H, uh, but I don't I, I think I was reading something that they they haven't been to the knockout stages in the Champions League, so imagine them going far in this competition. It never seems to happen, does it? It usually plays true to form. You know, once you get down to it, because I remember when Tottenham made a run about four or five years ago, and they looked real good. You know, they they knocked off the the two strong um, Italian teams, and then they played Real Madrid in the first leg, in the uh, in the I guess it was the quarterfinals, the final eight, and they lost like five to one. You know, in the first match, it yeah. was over. It was a goal differential aggregate. It was over. All I remember is Peter Crouch just like. Like getting two fouls and getting carded out of that, you know, laying on the on the ground, just kicking like at Messi, and, and it was it was. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, it wasn't. I'm sorry, it wasn't Messi. It was a Ronaldo. But uh, so there you go. So that's that's some of the stories. Now let's move on. Uh, maybe you know, also in your wheelhouse because you're multi-dimensional here. Okay, MLS championship match. I know our buddy uh, Miguel Romero will probably be getting in here at some time to call. But, you know, well, they got it done. Caleb Porter, Simon Allen in our show called them a pub coach many times, okay? They're, they're, they're holding the cup. Your thoughts on the ML, MLS final just in general? Uh, you know, we've, we've been saying for a while that we, we believe in Caleb Porter's potential so much that if, if someone, that if Galati were still in charge of U.S. soccer after next year or after the World Cup in 2018, and it, it just wasn't working out for Klinsman that I would like to see Caleb Porter as U.S. coach. He's played in the system. He knows the system. Uh, he's very, very familiar with it. You know, that being said, I think he did a great job uh, in in terms of getting Portland, you know, to that position. It's not like the, the fans needed any kind of ammunition because soccer in that town, it reigns supreme. I mean, I think – you know, when you look at the the support that they get and the amount of people who show up hours and hours before to get into the stadium to stand with Timbers Army is is I think the blueprint of why football is so successful in terms of of supportership in the Northwest in Cascadia. And you look at the three teams up there, and it's absolutely incredible support. Um, I, I think during the game, uh, Columbus was definitely sucker punched. Uh, a little bit in, in terms of they gave up that very early goal, uh, and Steve Clark had no business probably dribbling around uh, Diego Valeri. Uh, but, you know, they, Portland made him pay. Portland made him pay afterwards. Now, whether the call should have been called for an out-of-bounds or whatever, I mean, again, all those calls go usually even out during the game or whatever. But 
You know, credit to Columbus. They, they came back, they fought back through it, but uh, and they had the majority of the of the possession that game. But, you know, I, I didn't see Portland really, you know, really letting their back line slip up. And, and when you have a guy like Nat Borchers back there really commanding that back line, he and the experience that Liam Ridgewell has in uh, playing in the premiership, you know, I, I think there was only going to be one winner. It's, I'm sorry. They have a, um, yeah, Portland has uh, built a significant amount of momentum coming into the last couple, uh, let's say, games. Let's say they were below uh, the red line, um, uh, bottom of the table, and then they, they finish in the league third. So you, you see that in the last half of their, their league, they were building a lot of momentum going forward, significant enough to, to jump six places in the table. So uh, going into that final game, uh, they had a lot, a lot of momentum going. Now, we, we go back to that Liverpool celebration with Klopp and why he did that thing you only do when you win the championship or at the end of the season. But what I felt was um, it took a lot to come back and draw that game in the in the sixth minute of extra time. And what he wanted was to take that momentum forward, okay? Because momentum works. We look at Chelsea in the Champions League again. Uh, I say they might win. It's a possibility they might win. I'm going to tell you why. Because right now, let's say, like the Timbers, uh, they they bottom of the table, right? And they could finish, you know, let's say sixth possibly, but they would have some momentum. Let's say they would catch their fire later on in the season. And as a result, oh, man, a, f- a team on fire in the Champions League finals, uh, quarterfinals, semifinals, listen, momentum plays a lot because you, you, the psychology of the player is that, oh, we're winning. Uh, we have put our work in. Uh, we sacrificed. We lost a couple of games. It was hard. It was tough coming back from being uh, bottom of the table to finishing fourth. Um, so the player's mindset is a bit different, you know. So uh, we see that that could go forward and you could win your cup uh, with, with the Timbers here. Um, also, uh, the gentleman that scored the second goal for uh, the Timbers, uh, Wallace, we, we, that was my roommate at Maryland. You know, the Costa Rican. Oh, oh there yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that must so, have been an interesting combination oh, yeah, right yeah. there. Absolutely. Any Be- stories? That's it? Nothing well, you- well, let's say we, he has Costa Rican heritage. He plays for the Costa Rican na- national team, um, and he lives in, uh, in Maryland. So we had a Costa Rican, um, let's say Caribbean-type flavor going where we connected, um, and there was certain music we would listen to that we would, you know, um, share with each other on Facebook. But uh, as far as a player, he has always um, allowed who he is to, uh, to define who he is on the field, you know. So he's very clever, very tricky, um, very unpredictable, and, and that's how he is as a person. Not in a bad way, but, you know, in a surprising way. Wow, that's amazing. That's awesome. Uh, let's say playing with him, uh, he would do things that would, we would be like, wow. <laughs> oh, no. Um, And as far as momentum goes, let's say he has been a player that has been playing for his national team and also uh, playing and starting for his his MLS team. So he has been one of their uh, major players. They moved him from uh, left back to left wing to one of the the third forwards. So um, this momentum here, we see where it benefits you to play for your national team. That's why England makes it a minimum 
for if you're an international player, you have to be playing at least 75% of uh, your game starting uh, with your national team in order to be eligible for the premiership. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, did you think, um, ultimately, uh, Kevin, when, when you look at that match, and what, what I was thinking, you know, I think I may have mentioned this, this last week, um, you know, the, the, I noticed that, you know, I guess Columbus, and when you look at Portland, would it be fair to say that they're like the small market teams? Smaller than the ones we usually talk about, like the L.A. and the New York teams? And Well, in America, uh, as far as the home fans and the following, I feel the, Timbl- the Timbers is one of the most fan-supported team as far as That's true. their, their no. home, home right. stadium and their yeah. attendance. They don't um, spend the money, though. I mean, they, uh, they, in fact, they're a year younger mm-hmm. than the Union. They're only a five-year team. Yeah. So it seemed to me, if you looked at those two teams, and Columbus has always kind of held up, and Kevin could probably comment on this, as one of those teams that, you know, you know the, the team that the Union should strive to be like, you know, because they're, they're not the big market money team, but they seem to compete. And do much better than do what the union would like to be able to do, but I just thought that it gave hope to everyone who thought that this was just going to be a New York, L.A. We're going to take turns winning cups, which, by the way, New York still hasn't ever hasn't won a cup. Okay, but what do you think, Kevin? What do you think about all that? Because that's you know it seemed to, I felt some pride in those teams getting to the final, knowing their fan bases and stuff. I, I think if you're a newly expansion side. I think if you're a newly expansion side, I think the model you want to follow is Portland. Now, granted, the Cascadia region, the Portland, the Seattle, that that whole entire soccer history goes back to the 70s, the old NASL days, Clive Charles, et cetera. And, you know, just the amount of support still. I've been to a game there a couple years ago against Chivas USA when obviously Chivas USA hasn't been good for a long time before they were disbanded. But that place sold out. And that place was absolutely packed an hour before the game, singing and chanting Timbers Army, the fans in the stands already. Uh, and and, and with, with Portland, their stadium is situated just right outside the, the downtown business district, but still is downtown a little bit. They have a, a big building that kind of is, is, looks very Europeanish, right behind the stadium. Uh, that you really don't get to see because the cat's on the camera side, but it does a little bit have that European feel to it. Like it, it looks like council housing a little bit. Only I doubt it. They pay council housing prices there. But I've always said that if you want to start a formula for for a team for supporters wise to get people into the stands to 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 do it, some of these smaller market teams do it right. And I think the Portland I think is the blueprint model of how maybe the Atlanta FC should should start because, you know, Atlanta is a little bit bigger market than Portland and will probably have a little bit better resources. But credit to Merritt Paulson and what he and his ownership group have going on there. I mean, for being in the league since 2007, I believe, 2008, I mean, has, has come in and, you know, is an envy of even folks here in Los Angeles. Really? Interesting. Uh, it's in- interesting that, that you would say that because, you know, we had, had Simon Simon Allen on uh, as a host for, for many years and many shows. And he always, you know, uh, I think he I, I haven't heard his thoughts about how, you know, L.A. didn't 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 quite make it out, out of the first round. But he was very seemed very elitist. And, you know, when he would talk about the Caleb Porters and had real problems with the American coaches. 
you know, the Calpours, the Jim, Jim Cartons. So, I mean, do you think that, first of all, what do you, you, you obviously don't agree, and you think Cal Porter's a good coach who could and should possibly be the American coach, correct? So you don't agree with any of that nonsense. Again, I think it's 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 just preference the way the way you go. I mean, for for example, if Caleb Porter were you know appointed coach U.S. Soccer, he came out and flopped. I'd probably be you know eating crow right now. But uh, but you know it, it remains to be seen how he would do on the international level. I mean, you know let, let's credit you know to the job he did. And uh, uh, you know I, I've always said maybe the same thing about Jason Christ. I thought maybe mm-hmm. the New York job was way above his head. You can we, know, can we at least say he's better? than an average coach, Caleb Porter, at this time? Is it fair yeah. to give him – what are his chances of winning the coach of the year this year? Uh, I think probably as good as, as anybody else's. I think that I think that those postseason awards should be done – you know, or the end of the year awards should be done at the end of the year and not during the playoffs. That's a good point. But, oh, you're right. You know, that's yeah. just – I think it, it should be embodied uh, a little bit. Now, LA Galaxy's situation winds up a, a lot deeper than just not making out of the first round. And, uh, you know, we can possibly go into that a little bit later. But, you know, credit to credit to Portland, credit to what they have going on uh, up in the Northwest. And I think it's just an excellent atmosphere. If you ever come West and, and you owe it to yourself, if you ever get to Portland to at least go in and see a game because it, it is – it is a completely great atmosphere, either Portland or Seattle. And why U.S. soccer doesn't play more matches up there, I'll never understand. Yeah, I mean, it would be interesting to know how these things are calculated, you know, by U.S. soccer, you know. But I don't know. I mean, it does have a fairly good capacity to Portland Stadium, doesn't it? So I don't see what where, where, Portland you know. probably seats about twenty two thousand. Obviously, the the CenturyLink where the Sounders play yeah. is an NFL stadium, so you could get. 65, 70,000, which they they open up the top decks for when Portland, Seattle play, and it, it winds up being 65, 70,000 people in that stadium. Yeah, well, I guess U.S. soccer, you know, the, the MLS wanted intimate soccer-only stadiums. That isn't necessarily U.S. soccer's, you know, position on that. I'm sure U.S. soccer's position is let's get the most folks that we can get into the stadium to watch the match. I mean, it always comes down to a revenue thing, I think, you know. Yeah, I think they have bids. But, but, then, again, if, but then again, if you had that, You'd have matches at the Rose Bowl all the time. You'd have matches at the Jerry Dome. You'd have matches at you know, even Lincoln Financial Field where you can get 65, 70, 80,000 people. Well, and they the do. Rose Bowl they do. I don't, 100,000 people. But I then it's filled with nothing but foreign foreigners. It, yeah, exactly. That's so let's say yeah. U.S., Mexico, U.S., Costa Rica, uh, U.S., Jamaica probably. Um, but as far as the U.S. in general as a soccer fan nation – uh, they're more of a football foundation. So to get soccer, uh, let's say get the stadium filled, those, those football stadiums, those American football stadiums filled with soccer fans, that's a tall order. So I feel they take the safe way out and uh, these small stadiums. And play on the fake grass, huh? And that's yeah. a, that's. And a when good you thing. have a big final or a major game, um, then you could take the final to one of those uh, Lincoln Financial. I mean, the one thing the U.S. isn't lacking is, is big stadiums, multi-purpose Precisely. stadiums, I guess, you know. Uh, but, and I think you know. that's, the, that's the appeal in case one of these, you know, like the Qatar or the Qatar World Cup were to collapse mm-hmm. in front of FIFA that, you know, United States is really one of the only countries that could host it on 18 months' notice, for example. 
Well, Kevin, listen, we've got to run for the break. I want to thank you for co-hosting the first hour with us. I appreciate this. You helped us out of a big jam, and we appreciate it. Let's do it again for the whole time. No problem, Eric. Thank you, my friend. Anything you want to post real fast? Just uh, tell us about your show again real quickly. Uh, Football Matters on chaoticradio.com. That's K-A-O-T-I-C radio.com. We also have an app for either if you have an Apple or a, a Droid device. Uh, and uh, we're on Monday nights from 9 to 11 Pacific, so that's uh, midnight to 2 a.m. So if you uh, are night owls and coming in from you know late night Pats or Genos or whatever, uh, <laughs> put us on your, your smartphone and take a listen. We'll do that. And thank you so much again, Kevin, and we'll talk to you again real soon. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Okay, that's Kevin Kasaki. Good, you know, great job for him. Um, thanks for for him once again for pitching in. We're going to go to a break now. When we come back, we've got we've got Thorn segment coming up. Lots yes. of good stuff. Once again, I'm a little Exciting involved. Things. I know more than usual, so I feel very privileged. <laughs> but we're gonna we're 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 moving on here with the Vuvu Soccer Show. Give us a call 888-728-9941. The city of brotherly love. How you doing? And sisterly affection. We are 610 Sports, W-T-E-L-A-M, Philadelphia. Robner, Allen Robner, Zimmerman, and Nash is a law firm specializing in workers' compensation, personal injury, domestic relations, and any other legal matter affecting individuals' rights and freedoms. Eric Nash, host of Vuvuzela, the World Soccer Show, is a named partner and has been helping injured individuals for nearly 22 years. Call 215-953-2720 for a free consultation. Most legal matters are handled on a percentage basis. Call 215-953-2720. That's 215-953-2720. The law firm of Rovner, Allen, Rovner, Zimmerman, and Nash. They get results. Are you a soccer fan wondering where you can catch the soccer match with a great pub atmosphere? The Iron Abbey in Horsham is the place featuring EPL, La Liga, and Champions League. Also a proud pub partner with the Philadelphia Union with early openings Saturday and Sunday for the games with a great breakfast menu and food menu to complement the atmosphere. The Iron Abbey voted Best Bar of the Year 2015 offers 40 beers on draft and over 800 bottles to choose from. Visit their award-winning bottle shop, The Loft, for great takeout and mix and match six packs to go. If you're a soccer fan, you you have to check out Iron Abbey, the official soccer pub in the Burbs. Go to ironabbey.com for schedules and like them on Facebook to stay up to date. Please check out the Iron Abbey presents Vuvuzela World Soccer Show every Sunday from 3 to 5 on 610 Sports. Roughneck Scarfs is proud to be an official sponsor of the Vuvuzela Show. Roughneck specializes in custom scarves for schools, clubs, supporters, and corporate promotions. They're also the official scarf supplier to U.S. Soccer, MLS, USL, and NCAA. Visit roughneckscarves.com and use promo code VUVU for an exclusive discount on your next scarf order. Roughneck Scarves. Better service, better designs, better scarves. If you suffer from pain or tension, Dr. Frank McCaffrey of Academy Injury and Health Center can help. Academy Injury can help you get out of pain just like they've helped many patients in WTEL's listening audience. In fact, mention the word soccer and receive an incredible first visit special offer. Call Academy Injury and Health Center at 215-637-1212. That's 215-637-1212. Academy Injury and Health Center can get you out of pain and enhance your performance. 
Welcome to Vubu Soccer. I'm here with Eric Nash. My name is Thornholder. I'll be sponsored by the Iron Abbey. Uh, that number to call is 888-728-9941. 888-728-9941. Uh, you're listening to us live here at 610 AM Sports. You can also find us online at 610amsports.com. And on Twitter, you can find Vuvu Soccer at, uh, at Vuvuzela Blast, at V-U-V-U-Z-E-L-A-B-L-A-S-T. So, Eric, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great, man. So, what, how about this weather, man? Yeah. <laughs> how about this crazy, crazy highest temperature it's been on this date in 160 years? I'm at least from, long. At least that long. That's when they started keeping track of these. I am from the things. Caribbean. I have no complaint. Yeah. I was able to walk outside to the car without any shirt on and not feel horrible. Does so this I was feel excited. like chilly to you? Just out of curiosity. Is it's, the weather it's today a little chilly? chilly. But no jacket you can wear a shirt uh, and it's fine yes. i like it it's yeah it's it's, uh, it's probably going to be short-lived my friend well yeah i just I, I, it's crazy i mean it's a crazy crazy thing for have a couple days in the 70s or close to it you know at this time of year i mean it's christmas in a week for god's sake christmas yes christmas christmas does so I, do you uh do you celebrate christmas i yeah i i celebrate both holidays because i was raised jewish and my wife is christian and my daughter well, is a child. Like, she just like, yeah, she just likes to celebrate. She likes presents. Hey, it's kind of hard, you know. It's really hard to not, not, not in a religious sense, but to not acknowledge Christmas. You know, it's just a beautiful it's, holiday. I mean, forget about what the definition of Christmas is and why. It just doesn't doesn't really matter that much in, in America. A, it seems such a cultural thing anyway, more than anything else than a religious celebration. It, it now I'm, gonna, I'm sure I have people in church that are saying, "Oh no, that's you know that's absolutely wrong. You should come to our you know midnight mass or whatever." But I just see that it's a cultural. It's just it's a beautiful thing. And if you know if there's a time of year where people on the on the the cold usually frigid east coast at this time are nicer to each other. That's great. I can get on board with that, you know, yes. without having to take a stand religiously. But I do, I do, I do love Christmas. We do have a Christmas tree and a Hanukkah uh, menorah, so it's not like we, you know. I mean, it's just it's hard to. It's, there's nothing wrong with doing both. What is a menorah? A menorah what does is look a like? uh, it is a, a candelabra uh-huh. with eight candles. Actually, I'm sorry, eight day, symbolizing the eight days of Hanukkah. Yes. Then you have the Shams, which is the middle one that you light the other ones with. So it's uh, very traditional going back to thousand years at least, you know what I mean? Christmas, no, however... More than a thousand years, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Two thousand years, yeah. Christmas has taken over. I, I feel like it has become uh, a very commercial event as well. Not taken away from the, the feelings that we get from the music and the colors and the celebration and everything with it, um, but it's, it's, it has tags on it. And um, <laughs> if, I wonder if they, a hundred years ago, if we had this talk, if the people would be saying the same thing. I, I wonder, because I think that you know, wherever there's money to be made uh-huh. in, in, in a free society like this, 
It's people gonna are going to make it's it. Gonna happen. They're going to try to make it, or they're certainly going to inundate you with commercials and noise about buy this, buy that. This is better. This color is better. Our holidays better. Blah blah blah. It's wonderful. Yeah. It spurs creativity. Companies now have to what? be more creative because they are competing with other companies to create attractive goods and and more importantly, attractive commercials. Right. Um, right. We yeah. can't. We can't. Don't you think it would be hypocritical of us to to knock the the, the free market system? Yeah, yeah. You know, free enterprise system because in Christmas it bothers us. Like, really, when else during the year are we not inundated with commercials and salesmen and whatever ads yeah. of any sort on any media type? Uh, posture so to me you know if you can put that apart maybe this is a something that i would equate to being a little older that you, you kind of maybe because you realize that your life has an end you know when you get as you age okay mm -hmm. you maybe want to enjoy the things that are really enjoyable and being with the family and having that meal and whether you're watching football games on the TV mm -hmm. or you're cutting a carving a turkey or you're having an Easter egg hunt or whatever, you, you tend to like try to enjoy that. Yeah, it's commercialized. Certainly it is. Certainly, I wish my kids would be like, you know, don't buy me anything this year. I just want you to give me some good sage advice for life. <laughs> it's not going to happen, man, okay? No. They're going to want whatever doll, whatever truck. Whatever car, when it gets to that age, whatever dress, you know, it, it's always something. And that's cool because I don't think I was very different when I was young, you yeah, know? Yeah. So what am I going to do? When you're a kid, you're a little bit short-sighted. Well, I sometimes know? feel like uh, what we look at as adults, we complicate things as well. So sometimes they are right. I'll tell you a story. There was a, a truck stuck under an overpass and... Uh, the the police they were there. Some we had some architects. We had some top professionals trying to figure out how to get this truck out. It was going at high speed. It got uh, lodged under. And there was a kid. You know, he was peeping through the crowd. And he was, Mr. Officer, what's happening over there? And the officer says, Well, that truck got stuck, and they are trying to f they're trying to get it out. So the kid says, Well, why don't you let the air out the tires? Well, son, that's that's what we will do, and that solved the problem. But it took a different point of view. Right, the point of view right. where we as adults, we're looking at, okay, so now we have to ridge this here, shaft this. We have all this magnificent equipment and technology at our, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And meanwhile, it took the mind of a child. Yes. Well, when you really think about it, I mean, there's there's been studies that children, you know, mm -hmm. you know for their age and their, their brain development mm -hmm. are, are the brightest that they ever are before the world kind of like, you know, beats that out of them, so to speak. You know what I mean? <laughs> Their ideas are fresher. Yes. You would love them because they think outside the box. They never lose that, you know, Peter Pan type of way of looking at things. You know what I mean? And, and then when you get older, yeah, we lose that. Yeah. Is that part of our brain die? I don't know. I know exactly. Well, I don't. Uh. Say, I wouldn't know exactly. But let's say a part of it I've I've analyzed. Now I've been lucky enough uh, to have two young sons, twins, Zachary and Xavier. They're beautiful, by the way. Um, oh, yeah. They're two years of age, and uh, we we have a great time. Now I, I consider myself a scientist. You know, I look at things. Like a mad scientist? I'm not mad at all. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, I couldn't, I couldn't help it. Go ahead. Um, yeah. A mad scientist does crazy experiments. You know, I, I do ex my experiments all, only in my thoughts and in my notes. You That's know, fair. okay. Um, so let's say 
what I realized today, I was putting them to bed, and uh, one was getting out. He was pissed off. He didn't want to go to bed. The other was fine with the idea. So I said, Zave, Zave is the guy who's cool, laying down. I said, hey, Zave, why don't you... I said, he could speak a little. He could say, lay down. So I said, tell Zachary to lay down. And he was like, lay down. And he said it like me. And I was like, wow, I could have him co-parent with me and have them co-parent by giving them more information and giving them some wise and giving them some instructions, yeah. you know? So I think they, they, they are ready uh, to s- help solve our world problems. Um, well, step, quick step from like when to go to bed and when to pipe down to solving the world problems. Well, I think the solutions are very simple. You know, I think we complicate things. Um, <laughs> there's no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah. So there's yeah. no doubt. I mean, we do. Why do we do that? Well, I feel <laughs> it makes us feel important. You know, I feel we like to do, you know. So if we create a whole list of to-dos and occupy our whole day, then that is good. Yeah, I know. Well, we'll get back to soccer in a second, but that's such a good point, man. Mm-hmm. I just want to tell you that. You know, it's funny because as a lawyer, you know, I'll go before the judge. And you know, I'll just sit. Sometimes I'll be just sitting in the gallery and listening to two lawyers going at it. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, talk about complicating the matter. Lawyers are the type of people that they will keep an argument going forever. Yeah. If you give them any dangling thing, that, string that they can jump on, they will keep it going. The judge will say something like, "They'll be done the argument. They're ready to step down." And the judge will say, "Yeah, but what about?" If this happens, some preposterous, preposterous notion. Impossible. Yeah, 20 more minutes of arguing. Probability. I had one guy that was arguing a case. I'm like, and then I asked him, what was that all about? I go, your client, that was, you weren't, you weren't even representing your client. This was all tangential nonsense that nobody cared about. He didn't care. He just wanted to argue. He just wanted to get, he just wanted to talk. Yes. Yes. Kids are kind of like that too. They like to talk. You know what I mean? Yeah. So sometimes, you know, that's a, a natural way that the kids grow up. But, you know, we're, you know, that, that's why, you know, I like the way you are because I'm kind of trained to, 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 to see a situation and take either side. Which side are they paying me? That's the side I'm going to argue. Yes. That's my job, okay? Yes. Like if I'm selling X salt and they want to, and you know, I sell the salt, tell you it's much better than pepper. But if I was a pepper salesman, I'd be doing the exact you opposite. You have good arguments for pepper. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the point mm. is, though, you don't do that. You don't, like, you don't have to argue a particular side. You get to choose your side. And I like that because, but at least you stay open enough to listen to the other side. Yeah, I but look you, at it but more you do as it to, you do it to more of an intellectual pursuit than for me. I'm trying to win my case, or right? another lawyer's trying to win their case, or a salesman's trying to sell you an automobile. Yes, you are just trying to further the creative human race. I like that. Yes, if I put that right, but I do like that about you. I, I, I yeah. if I were to reword that, I go th- right ahead. I think that naturally, innately, we are creative. We are wise. And uh, we, if we listen to our bodies, we would know exactly what to eat. You know, I'll give you an example. Um, uh, some people go through a, pro- uh, a moment where they feel like eating fish eyes, right? Now, there's a particular nutrient in, only in fish eyes um, <laughs> compared to the other foods that we eat where that, it's only located there. Uh, a pregnant woman, woman might go through cravings. And those cravings are very particular to what her baby is needing that her body does is not producing or consuming in the moment. Yeah. So I think instinctively there is an order, uh, there is a wisdom, and as you mentioned earlier, Eric, we corrupt that. 
Now, if you look at the story of Adam and Eve, where the snake comes in and introduces the knowledge of good and evil, I feel it's, it's very parallel to the child being born in this world, not knowing good and evil, and is perfect in every way. And then they are, the snake or society tells them, well, this is right and this is wrong. Don't do this. Don't be a magician. Get a regular job, so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and their, their creativity, their, their impulse that is instinctive and awesome is taken away by the intellectual's calculation, the scientist's calculation, and the child is lost and becomes a regular being here. And then, <laughs> and then where, where do we get to? So we still could never answer that, the mystical question Which is, of when, do, when does the Peter Pan, I'm die? waiting for so- Santa Claus, uh, the Easter Bunny, when does About that four. die and why does it have to die? It dies around the age of four. Um, it oh, starts, so there's actually a scientific answer to that. Yeah, it's, it's like a slow oh. death between uh, understanding the English of the parent and the dynamics of emotions and then, um, you know, becoming that as opposed to being themselves. Well, we got a caller. We have a fantastic caller. We have a fantastic caller. <laughs> uh, Super Dave, are you there? Here, it's halftime with Real Madrid and, uh, and uh, Villarreal. And if you remember a fellow by the name of Soldado. Oh, yes. Got the yeah, only Roberto bullet. Soldado, yeah, the man that could not play in England. But apparently he, he has no problem only, in Spain. Apparently not. And he didn't have any pr- problem today against uh, Real Madrid. He scored a goal, and I think they could have had two or three more goals. A couple uh, shots. Uh, players m- messed up on some uh, opportunities. It doesn't look like it's Real Madrid. They're not playing Malmo. Let's put it that way. Yeah. What is? What do you uh, think? Yeah. But I'll tell you. You think Malmo may have helped them with the with what ailed them? But you know, obviously well, not. Not, not it, obviously not yet. Not, anyway, it, it's ailing them in the first half for sure. But you know, it's an away game and it's a decent team. They were. Uh, I'll tell you. They were. I watched three great La Liga games. Yesterday's game I followed, and I came home and rewatched the second half with Barcelona. I mean, Barcelona was. Doing great in the first half. They had a one goal lead, then Modric got a goal. It's about the 62nd minute or so, and then in the 70th minute, Lucas Perez put one away, and it was a two to one game. And then in the 87th minute, I forget his name, he scored the tying goal. And uh, instead of getting three points, Barcelona only got one, and Atletico Madrid, thanks to Griezmann's winning goal, they picked up three on him. So now they're both equal at 35 points. And what was the final of the Atletico game, by the way? It was 2-1. Uh, to one. The first half, um, Laporte had a goal on a header mm-hmm. for uh, um, Athletic Bilbo. And then the last play, it's always great when you can do this on the last play of the of the first half. There was one-minute stoppage time. It was about the 55th second of the stoppage time. It was a great save by Gorka, the goalie for Al for Atletico Bilbao, and then Koke nailed the ball right off the head of Saul, and he scored the goal on the last play of the half, making it 1-1, and then uh, I think it was a pass from uh, Correa to Griezmann, and Griezmann nailed a beauty right in the upper left corner than that. Let's stick with Atletico for a second. Talk about like what what I feel is one of the most triumphant organizations I've ever known. You know, as far as I never saw a team get gutted every year. Give us give me the litany of, of players that they lost. Torres. Uh help, help me here. Aguero. I mean Aguero. Yeah. Uh, they lost well they lost uh, uh I'm wearing his jersey now for a lawn, but he was kind of 
you know, getting over the hill. But he had a great year one year, and then the following year they kind of didn't play him much. Then he went over to Italy, and he kind of faded out. He, Soldado? He I mean, how many guys? And they, well, yeah. Costa. Costa. They lost uh, Falcao. Falcao. And Falcao probably was slowed up by his injury at Monaco. And just a year or two ago, Adeo Costa, and there's no way they're going to take him back and unload Griezmann. That's well, here's what well, here's well. That's what I was going to say. So there's a team that keeps coming up and not not giving into what Brian's ever said about. Wait, wait, Man- Manzukic, yeah. Manzukic, right? Had right. him for a year. He's having yeah. a great year in Italy. Well, but here's the point: they keep losing. They keep retooling, and you know, look what they have. They've given up seven goals in how many games, David? Seven right. goals. The- they gave up one today, and they gave up one against uh, Porto at right. the end of the match. But right. uh, one thing, um, they bring, bring in a lot of young players, and they still have an ace in the hole who hasn't done much this year, and he's been hurt, is Martinez, Jackson Martinez. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I told like you at the beginning. Oh, I'm sorry, man, but I told you to Phil, uh, Phil Shane, I believe, it was either Filler or with Bobby McMahon who said to us, you know, that that Atletico this was the most the best offensive team that they may have ever had coming into the year. Now Martinez had had his injuries and whatnot, and now they're talking about Grayson going uh, somewhere already during uh, yeah, well, during the that, summer. That, that yeah, that, if that I mean, happens, I'm sorry during the winter. Yeah. yeah, if that happens, oh, that'll never happen in January. Good, good. I mean, whoever he goes to, if he goes to a decent team, they're going to he's going to be cup tied. Uh, you know, Champions yeah. League tied. So yeah. That's meanwhile, not- meanwhile, there they are. Final eight. Uh, sorry, final sixteen teams in the Champions League. Okay. Yeah. yeah one yeah. their one their group correct. Won the group. Right. 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 They had now, a beat. They had a beat. Uh, uh, was it uh, Porto? Who was it? No, Benfica. Very, Benfica. Benfica. Right. Benfica. And Benfica. they did it. And they did it. They beat yeah. up Benfica. And you know what? They never seem, at least to me, and Spain's a hot, hot league in the last five years. They never seem to get the credit at Atletico, ever. They're not Barcelona, they're not Real Madrid, but you know what? I bet if you stack up their last three years against those other teams, there wouldn't be that much of a difference well, as far they as the played, record, they, you know? They played uh, Real Madrid eight times last year, and they only lost to them once, and that was uh, in the knockout stages or the uh, quarterfinals of the Champions League. And if I'm not mistaken, the year before, well, they lost the year before when they lost to them in the uh, Champions League. They they lost to them in the Copa del Rey, but they they, they had them every other time. They won the Super Cup against mm-hmm. them, and well, I mean, yeah. they've they had good luck against the big boys. Well, listen, my friend, listen, I thank you. I thank you very much. Okay. We have to move on. I want to wish you a happy Hanukkah again and a and very happy, happy New Year, my friend. Thank you. Okay. And say Take hi care, to those buddy. wonderful grandkids for us. Okay. We'll do. Take yeah, care. See you later, buddy. All right, Super Dave, and now we have on the line. We have that. Uh-oh. Dun, 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 dun. This this should be good. Well, you know what? To the victors, go to spoils. Miguel, my friend, welcome ah. welcome to the welcome to the Vuvu show. <laughs> we're doing our we're doing our oh, saws, our power yes. saws, right? What's up, Miguel? Oh, I still have the grin on my face, gentlemen. <laughs> I don't think this grin's going away for a while. Hello, gentlemen, and a very happy Sunday to you all. Thorn, what is up? Hello, everybody there. How are you it's doing, good to sir? Talk to you. Always a pleasure. Indeed. You know what? You know what, guys? I uh, so this is what it feels like. Huh? <laughs> I like this feeling, gentlemen. Um, I got to tell you guys. Um, I talked to you last week, right before the game started, and Jesus, guys, twenty-seven seconds later, are you kidding me? Oh. Um, it's funny, you know. A couple of things. I thought it was. 
you know, it's funny. I coach you soccer, and there was a couple of things that happened in that game that, you know, if you think back, if you've played this game long enough, there were some basic things that happened and didn't happen. But, boy, that first goal was the old application of always apply pressure. Always apply pressure. And, you know, wow, it happened. Uh, tremendous final, you guys. Uh, it was electric. I had a nice little party here at my house. I uh, My neighbors knew the Timbers won when it was over. I think this whole, my whole neighborhood knew. But, uh, you guys, it was um, what was even better, though, I got to be honest, was what took place uh, after they came home. Uh, I've got pictures to send you guys. There's some video. If you go on my Facebook page, you see a lot. But uh, it was a tremendous celebration here for this team. Um, Portland, I'm not sure you guys know, but the last uh, – Two championships this team celebrate. This town celebrated was the Portland Thorns back in 2013, I want to say, when they won the NWSL, and of course the Portland Trailblazers basketball team way back in '77. So, oh God, you had to bring that one up. Do you remember who they won? Yeah, Do you remember yeah, who they I beat? I'm sorry, I'm Philadelphia sorry. Philadelphia yeah, 76ers. I know, I know. I'm sorry. Oh, what a but team that was, guys, man. Oh, Bill Wong. Yeah, but I got to be honest, guys. It was so. It was so great to see this town come out and celebrate what I think was a fantastic team. I mean, let's be honest, guys. I hate to hate to rewind and and and, and take it take you back a little bit, but if I'm not mistaken, a month before the playoffs, we were pretty much written off. We were done, and it was going to be the same old. And I'll tell you what, guys, a nine-game unbeaten streak, and uh, oh. It's the best, and it's the best in the world. Unfortunately, as MLS goes, um, you better take help. You take pictures of your team because your team does not stick around. Um, we lost to Rudy. That's a, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Already, well, that's the truth. You know, guys, that's that's the one thing about MLS, and a lot of people get frustrated that haven't watched the league like we've watched it and don't understand this. Why are they getting rid of these players? Well, it's it's it, it's the business of MLS. But so Rudy's gone. Um, uh, it sounds like Will Johnson is going to go to either um, we're hearing, I'm hearing he's going to go to either Toronto or he's going to go to Chicago possibly, I'm hearing. Uh, if you saw the rally in, in Portland, you know he's not going to Seattle. And please, gentlemen, you've got to see the clip where Will Johnson says something towards Seattle and starts quite the ruckus in the rally. It was pretty funny. Um, That's good for you. <laughs> so guys, listen, listen, I'm really, I'm, we're very happy that you are able to enjoy it. God knows we would like to have this feeling for sure. I don't know, Thor. I don't know, Bev. Yeah, I, mean, I can't remember the last championship. I was at the Phillies in 2008 to win the World Series. They only win one every about every 80 years, so you know, that was nice. Do you do you well, have do you have any memorabilia? Do you have any any mementos from this moment from this season? Oh, that's I gonna. Sure, I sure do. Thor. Thorne, I, I have a lot. As a matter of fact, Thorne, you know, it's really funny. It's funny you said that because um, um, the moment this is all happening, of course, uh-huh. Portland really took to it. And I've got some – well, the best part to me was the front page of our local paper here, the Oregonian. Uh, nice. And yes. on the whole front nice. page was Borchers lifting the cup. And it said, you know, uh, we, we lift the cup. That's what the front page said. Yes. We lift the cup. yes. And uh, I've got mementos from, you know, i got to be honest, I've got a lot of, um, you know, it's funny you said that, Thorne. I don't have, <laughs> the mementos I have were in my memory. I, 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 honestly, guys, I will never forget this season. I mean, it was just crazy. And it was crazy how 
I mean, let's be honest, guys, and I, I don't want to keep thinking about the time here, but, you know, I'll never forget everything, including that crazy penalty kick shootout, the game in Dallas. Yes, yes. I mean, every little thing, guys, and it's incredible, isn't it, guys, that um, the one thing I love about this sport is that on any given day, if all individuals bring it yes. and all on that same page as the coach has instructed, things happen, guys, and it, and it really happened for Portland. And you know what thing too is, you know, we everyone forgets we had a tremendous road road season this year, which you know we won a lot yeah. of games on the road, so it all worked out. Hey Miguel, I'll curious, let you, guys, Miguel, I'll just let you, I'll let you go with this. Unfortunately, we got to move on, but I got to say this to you that this very logic and attitude that you're you're beaming with right now is the reason that the sports radio stations in this city go on, okay? The Eagles fans, I don't know how they're doing, they're in a close game with Buffalo today, but I'm telling you, they live for this reason, to, to, this feeling that you have right now, you know? The parade, the quintessential parade. They want it so badly that it keeps them going on. Literally. It literally Wait, helps them get through their lives. Or, well, or ruins you know their what? lives, I'm not really sure. Somewhere well, now that I know what the well, now that I know what this feels like, guys, I will tell you, and I, this is the new, the new greeting and the new goodwill I bestow upon all of my close friends, and you guys over there are my close friends. I hope well, in you. your lifetime you get to experience what I got to experience last week because, guys, it is stellar. Well, I, I, did, I did. Thank you, my friend. And once again, congratulations, and now you get, now you get to repeat, try to repeat, okay? Anybody want to shout out before you go, sir? Well, you know what? I would. I got a big thing happening, guys. By the time I talk to you next week, I'm not going to be a single guy anymore. I'm oh, off wow. to Texas. To, I'm off to Texas to go get my girlfriend, and she wants to come back home to Portland and watch the Timbers. And so I'm bringing her home, and we're going to uh, start for, our lives together, guys. Good for you, my friend. The next time I talk, you, talk to her, I'll, I'll have Cindy in the background. So a big shout out to uh, my girl Cindy, and uh, guys, if I can, a big shout out to my Portland Timbers and to this beautiful Rose City that I am so fortunate to not only be born in, but I get to live here, guys. And, little, uh, it's little, a great thing. Little do you know that the adventure of your life has just begun. Okay? Yes. Oh, that's <laughs> the, what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah, but that's okay. Just say yes. <laughs> just nod your head and say yes a lot. You'll be fine, okay? Just say, thank, thank agree with fine, anything. Guys. It's much, it's much easier. I will. Thank All you, right, my friend. Fun. Take okay, care. we've you got. Guys, always good to talk to you. Have yep. a great week. I'll Same talk here. to you soon. You too. Love Th- Thanks, man. Bye bye. Good, good man. Good, good for him. Yes. Wait, we have we have Matthias uh, hanging on. Uh, Cue music. Do we, do we do we have Matthias still there? Yes. Thank you, Ryan. I yeah, I do. <laughs> All right, Matthias Schmidt, how are you, my man? Welcome to the Boo Boo Show. Thank you, I'm good. That was really touching. I just listened to the, the previous call. Yeah, you know what? It's amazing what, what as guys, as sporting guys in this world, what, what makes it tick for us. You know, it's so interesting because, you know, if, you, if I could tell you how many people, um, you know, just talk about wanting to have the experience that Miguel just so eloquently like explained for us. They just want that feeling. I mean, it's amazing. And the longer that it avoids you, the more that you, the more you want it. So it's it's very interesting. But I I get where he's coming from, and I man, he's a big time soccer fan and a big time uh, Portland guy. So I congratulate him. Now, Matias, my man, how are you? And give us your thoughts now that the uh, Champions League has been concluded, at least with regard to the group stages. Tell us how our, our German teams uh, have fared now, and where do they stand? 
The, the German teams did uh, pretty well. I, I would summarize at the beginning of the group stage, I predicted that uh, Wolfsburg would actually win the group, which they did. Um, they beat Manchester United on Wednesday at home. Um, I also predicted that Gladbach would uh, uh, exit the group stage and finish last, which unfortunately they did, but this was their first Champions League season. And uh, they had a, a terrible start in the Bundesliga, losing their first five matches, but then slowly turning it around, even though their 10-game unbeaten streak uh, came uh, uh, to an end uh, yesterday. Uh, so they finished last, unfortunately. Um, Leverkusen, I predicted to finish second in the group behind Barcelona. And boy, if you watch the match on, on Wednesday, that was their chance to beat Barcelona. They had oh, yeah. 26 shots on goal, and they just were only able to get one in. And the tie just, just wasn't enough because um, uh, Roma had a better direct uh, um um, scoring. Yeah, Romo kind of really backed into it, Matthias. I, th- I thought, but yeah, you know did. what, though? The fact that they were able to come so close to a, to an established team like Roma is nothing to be ashamed of, I don't think. No, I, I agree with you. And they, they played well in Barcelona. It's just that, you know, Barcelona at home, within 10 minutes, they turn it around. And the Champions League just is a, a different uh, type of competition. The quality is much higher. And Leverkusen, I mean, they weren't able to. Uh, I think that against uh, Bate, they they had these lapses where they tied them away. And that you know, those are two points that uh, they're missing now. Um, and Bayern uh, clearly won their group as predicted. They only lost to Arsenal uh, a few weeks ago. Um, and in the Europa League, uh, uh, surprisingly, all German teams uh, uh, advanced uh, uh, to the next round. Uh, round. Even Augsburg um, had their miracle in Belgrade uh, on Thursday, where they scored the, th- the third goal in the last minute, which is uh, all they needed. And uh, uh, Schalke advanced and Dortmund advanced. So um, there's six teams uh, in the knockout stages, and, and Leverkusen as the uh, third uh, uh place team in the Champions League is also in the Europa League now. Uh, here's the so 100, six teams. That's very impressive. Well, here's the $100,000 question I have for you, my friend, okay? You, <laughs> you know, because you apparently, uh, we've talked about it over, the, over the, the last couple of months, there is certainly getting to the point where the, uh, the, uh, the English may lose a spot in the Champions League, right? Where England may lose that yeah. fourth spot. Mm-hmm. So I guess what I'm going to yeah. say to you is what do you think of England's performance? Obviously, Germany's is better. I mean, you know, um, but what you know? What, what do you think of the English teams? I mean, how, how do you think that they fared ultimately? I mean, Chelsea. I guess you got to think that they did very well being there. Is this true? Yeah, they were in the group with Kiev, Porto, and uh, mm-hmm. Tel Aviv. So you know that was kind of expected for them to advance. Uh, Arsenal. They 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 looked poorly for. Uh, a number of uh, game days and um, them advancing, um, you know, they 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 belong in the second spot in in this group. Um, mm-hmm. And then you have Manchester City, which uh, won their group. Uh, Juventus is uh, one point behind them. I was predicting that Juventus would win that group. Um, and you know, over the last uh, two years, the British teams haven't done well in the knockout stages. So. Uh, the competition is just getting uh, tighter. 
I uh, agree. Especially in the it's a big year. This is a big year for that. I mean, obviously Chelsea has nothing. It seems to me has very little to play for, except that you know the Champions League this year. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they should be focused enough. Um, I guess when you when you when you step back, and you and you look at what's going on, I, I just want to ask you this because I was thinking about you all week. Klopp with Liverpool. Uh, what do you think so far? I I think he's done very well. He has the personality for this uh, Liverpool club with this great history and uh, the passionate fan base. And uh, he's slowly moving up in the in the tables. And uh, he's bringing this uh, high pressing uh, uh, um, offensive uh, uh, pressing style to the Premier League, which I. They're not really that uh, used to this kind of uh, uh, style. And uh, give him, you know, another year or two, and I say he, he'll win the he'll win the league in two years. You know, when the injured players come back, he has a you know a good half season behind him, and he can work with the players off season. Um, he might go far in the Europa League competition as well. Um, but longer term, I think he has a three-year contract. Um, by the end of the third year, he'll be in. Um, Contention for the for the league title, I predict. Well, you know what? I hope I hope you're right. I'd like to see a manager slash coach get come on, come on board with a big team and actually have a chance to realize their vision before ever everyone all, all the supporters are trying to throw them on the chopping block. Okay, so I hope True. he's given. <laughs> yeah, I hope he's given a fair share because there's something about him that is good for the English League, okay? I don't know what it is. Something about his personality, the way he is. I like him. But anyway, I want to thank you for coming on, man. We will talk to you next week, and uh, we'll get back to the Bundesliga next week, okay? Sounds great. Thank you, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Bye-bye. You too. There's Matthias Schmidt. There's there's Matthias. So there we go. Uh, Thorne, I'm going to pass the baton to you and find Trinidad and Tobago style. Uh, yes. He, he dropped the baton. I gave I you did grab not, it. I, it was smoothly transitioned. Okay. I have the baton, and, and here we go. <laughs> well, take <laughs> welcome. It, take it away, my friend. Welcome welcome yeah. to the other side. This is the, the other side of the half, you know, uh, halftime. What happens? Uh, you see sometimes teams go in, and they come out on the other half, and they're a brand new team. All right? So what happens is uh, there is a halftime speech that occurs. So at the beginning of the other side, what I'll do is I'll give a, a little halftime speech. Um, so today, our halftime speech is about a cycle, all right? We have a very special guest lined up for you today. And before I introduce this guest, I'm going to give the halftime speech because the halftime speech uh, get, gets people pumped, gets people pumped, all right? The halftime speech is what, is what gets guys uh let's say, re-energized and motivated. So let's look at this cycle. Uh, Self-motivation. All right, self-motivation. How is it sourced? Uh, How do the very best players, the best performers, the top professionals in the world, um, how do they source this self-motivation? And sometimes, how do they keep it going? How do they keep themselves motivated through trials, through definitely family, through, through different types of hurdles, how do they keep the self-motivation? So there's this cycle. Uh, the first part of the cycle is belief. 
The belief in oneself, this belief now encourages the action. Depending on how much you believe in yourself or the action, uh, it depends on, it gives you how much action you're going to take. So if you have a little bit of belief, you're going to take little action. If you have a lot of belief, you're going to take a lot of action. Now, depending on how much action you take, you're going to get rewards. So you have the belief, you have the action. And if you have a little action, you get little rewards. If you have a lot of action, you have a lot of rewards. And then in the perception of the player, the athlete or the young professional, uh, he now sees, well, this is possible. I gave this amount of action. I got this amount of reward. Now this is possible. And if you know something is possible, then you have belief in it. And then that's the cycle. So if you have a little belief, then you end up in a low belief cycle. And if you have high belief, then you end up in a high belief cycle. So uh, with our special guest coming in here, we are going to look at how we can transition um, from negative cycle into positive cycles. And we're also going to look into the mindset of leadership, the mindset of the winner, and let's call them the super athletes of this world. Now we have on the line Georgette Brown. How are you doing this afternoon? Good afternoon, Thorne. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Can you hear me well? I could hear you fantastically well. Now, before we continue, now that you have heard uh, Georgette's lovely voice, um, Georgette was my uh, athletic director, uh, assistant athletic director and boss for, um, let's say, campus. Uh, let's say if there was a lacrosse game and someone, uh, let's say, <laughs> she was just my boss, okay? Where was this at? <laughs> Thorne, where, where was this at? This was at Adelphi University. Okay. Um, and she managed... Uh, people you know and and that's what i i look at relationships and what what georgette was awesome at was managing the different personalities and and I, and she will tell you that managing thorn uh well that is a job and a half <laughs> so um she, yes <laughs> so um she works with students she helps students i would if i were to put it in my own words she helps students find their way to success. She helps students at their lowest point, midpoint, whether they be a student athlete, whether it be a, a, a normal student. She, she forms a relationship with them, and she helps them find their way. And currently, she's a professor um, teaching management, um, let's say sports management and, uh, and marketing. All right, so uh, she's highly qualified, very experienced, and I've had the experience of being uh, honored with her expertise. So on a Sunday afternoon uh, in New York, is it as bleak as it is in Philly? Listen, it's too warm. It is, <laughs> I don't even know if I should be complaining. I mean, it's beautiful out here. I, I, it's hard to understand that it's still December. So yeah. uh, taking advantage of this warm weather. So... As a as a administrator, what have you noticed as some of the factors that cause kids to, let's say, to go off track? Okay, sometimes people reach the junior year and they drop out. Some people may reach semi-pro and they drop out. What seems to be causing kids to fall off their journey? So some of the things that I've actually seen, um, some of the students have um, issues that are probably affecting them at home. Yes. Um, some other external issues, whether it's financial uh, or not seeing a mentor somewhere in their path to help to guide them. Uh, so they just feel as, you know, this is it for them. You know, um, so that's some of the things that I've actually noticed. 
Okay. But for the most part, um, it's, it's external and family. Now, on the flip side of that question, what seems to be some of the things that pull kids through as they're at the bottom of their barrel? What seems to be some of the things that motivate them to keep that self-motivation going? Uh, what are some of the external factors that pull them through? They're actually work. you know, some of them I've actually seen them be with, you know, um, their peers that are probably doing some of some great things uh, and being involved in community service, being able to give back, um, just being able to see what's out there that's different for them. And they follow that, now, and not the negative things. Yes, yes. I see that you are very, very passionate about this. What keeps you going? What What is your particular avenue and, and viewpoint that keeps you interested in doing this particular type of work? I've always been one. Once I internalize information and I see and I find a way because I've always taken the long route for things, I want to share the information with other people so that they can have um, the short route so they don't have to spend too much time on things. And I've always been one to um, pass along the information. And this is what I've actually been doing. And I didn't know that I was actually doing it as an educator. That's yeah. all I've been doing until they defined it for me. And I said, oh, teaching is where I should be. Um, so I landed in teaching. And I love watching the students, the, the light bulb go off in their head yes. um, and discovering those things. And they had no clue that it existed. They're like, oh, my gosh. Wait, okay, we need to talk. So that's yes. how it actually you know, works out for me. So you saw value in the information that kids uh, are being transformed by having access to these things. Now, as far as I'm sure in, 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 your, in your experience, you have met very special people and have made great connections and have very significant stories, whether it be with uh, co-faculty members or students that you have helped. Do you have a Let's say an anecdote or a story from, from your experience that you would like to share with us. There's so many. <laughs> I know. This you is know, <laughs> it's so many. I mean, being with you, at, you know, at, at school, um, mm -hmm. you know, seeing those things, sometimes the students, they don't want to learn what's in the textbook. So my, my thing has always been, well, great, I'm going to give you scenarios for my, my um uh, my history, my my background. Uh, hopefully, they can take that and go along. But there's so many. One that actually just recently occurred this week. Um, a student, we were doing a review session for her final exam, and she was telling me about, you know, she wants to go to grad school and everything like that. But she had no clue about how to get there. And I, we just started talking about a graduate assistantship. You know, possibly working in the same department to be able to. Um, earn the credits so that they can pay for it and she yeah. she looked at me in disbelief like wait that's possible i said yeah she goes wait a minute so you have someone else be able to pay for it yeah it's a <laughs> it's a, a great exchange you get the experience you get to do some of the things that you want to do and they pay for your credits and possibly give you a stipend she had no clue about how that process so after her exam we're uh, after the final exam this week we're going to sit down and talk probably go to a coffee shop and just help map it out for her because it, it, i was still i was so stunned to to see that and and actually say 
wow, there's a lot of people that have no clue about that process. So, um, but I love it. it. You know, I'm not getting compensated for it. I'm just continue building the relationship and serving as a mentor, whether whether it's formal or informal. I love it. So that falls into, let's say, I'm a, I'm a motivational speaker, and I'm also uh, what some people would call a life coach, but these are some channels that my work falls into. One of the things that I've seen as very important is giving more than required, and a lot of the times it means doing stuff that you don't get paid for, whether it be adding value to some, a kid's life or whether it be adding value to a company. But giving the, the, extra, uh, the extra effort to, to help your neighbors, to help the young ones, because the young ones have no one representing them, really. We, we, we are the ones who represent them. Now, secondly, um, as far as youth is concerned, I feel like there is a lot of room for collaborative efforts of students. So... If we were to design some type of initiative where uh, students can help each other, wh- what, w- what do you think would be uh, one of the first things in terms of information, because you're explaining here that information is, has been very helpful to some people that you've worked with, what would be some information that students have, like for example, a student before her that had gone through this process, Let's say, what type of information do you think is needed most right now that students could share with each other? That they have options. Options. <laughs> options. That they have options. They, 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 they're thinking right now or they're programmed to believe that everything is just one dimension. This, so they, they no, have no to, idea. Not to cut you off, but is this options for funding specifically? Funding, um, you know, building relationships. They don't know how to do that. Networking. Networking, absolutely. Um, that six degrees of separation is real. Yes. It yes. exists. Um, and how to present themselves. I think that, you know, they're quick to cut people off if somebody has done them wrong and they don't realize that they've cut them, their, their future off sometimes, so, burned their bridges. So student, student athletes and students around the world, I hope you're listening. Um, there are a lot of options out here. Uh, my personal experience being at the University of Maryland and then going to Adelphi University, I've had great experiences at both schools. I won two sh- championships at, uh, at Adelphi. I played with some of the top players in the, in, in the world at Maryland. Um, so we see that students have a lot of information to share with each other. I hope that this platform here, the other side here with Thornholder and my special guest, Georgette, um, I hope that people can share this message and, and we could get a platform going. Students, if you're listening, yeah, take the idea, run with it. You know, develop a platform to share with each other. Now, if, if you could leave a message, if there was a message you could give to the next generation, not the 17-year-old, eh? we lost them already. <laughs> Let's say... No, we're still working on them. <laughs> I, I wouldn't if spend too much... the 17-year-olds are, 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 are gone, what does it make for we me? We wouldn't spend 50, too much... Huh? I wouldn't personally invest too much. I invest okay. a little bit of time... But uh. let's say, let's get them while they're a little bit younger. Let's say the next generation, under 10, um, if there were to be a message, let's say you look at the world today, we look at sports, we look at athletics, we look at school, we look at um, all the dynamics of our culture, and you see that culture in a, in, a, in a microcosm within a university environment, right? So let's say we see how things are, 
we have methods that we think might improve things. What message would you give to the next generation? Um, what message would you make sure that they get? Surround themselves um, with people who have exactly what they want and learn the process. Oh, yeah. If they see a successful person, well, guess what? You have to learn what makes them successful. All right? You're just seeing the tip of the iceberg. You have no clue about what's going on below. So don't so be envious. So go ahead and go through it. Yeah. Don't yeah. be envious. Learn, learn from that person. Learn. That's a very, very yes. good way to look at it. Yeah, too many Absolutely. people are worried about what they don't have instead of looking at someone exactly. that has something that they want and Find learning from them. Absolutely, you know, so simple yeah. but so difficult. Yeah, to I mean, to implement, you know. Yes, yeah. and absolutely, yeah. they have they, they have they have tools inside of their toolbox that they have no clue. Identify what those are, or work with someone who can help you and learn from it. Yes, I think we have a lot of tools uh, that we we we. We form from our experiences that just need a little bit of refining, and you need an expert or someone with experience to come and show you, hey, you see those tools you have with your life experience? I'm going to refine them for you or help you, help you refine them and show you how you can entertain or enjoy the success that I have. I think that's a great message. I have this, um, we have this, sorry, uh, this uh, promotion going where our guest, Eric, keeps forgetting and not telling our guest that, hey, shout your crew. So before Wait, that's you, your job. I, well, you, so you, I'm too old to tell you, people you, to shout their crew. You get rid of the guests before I get a chance. I'll mess up. I'll tell you, I'll mess up to Jen. I'll make a mistake and tell them to shoot their crew or something. It's not good. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you. Yeah, no, okay. But anyway, I, okay, I'll try to stay on that, man. How about this? How about this? Okay. How about you do the shout your I'll crew? I'll do it. Yeah. Georgette, we have this new promotion, okay, <laughs> going on in the station. Don't know if you heard of it. It's called... Shout your crew. Yeah. So will you please, Georgette, the time is yours. Shout your crew, please. Um, I would just like to shout out my team live, um, a network marketing company that I have, and my family. We're growing and uh, building an empire as we go along. Thank you guys so much for this opportunity, Eric. It's been amazing. Thorne, I love you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for this opportunity. And I look forward to being here uh more <laughs> indeed well, yeah, yeah you're yeah you're very cool so if you want to hang with us you're more than welcome to okay you're okay thank you, thank you so much we really appreciate and, and we appreciate the advice really yes. some of the stuff thank gets you. lost i think and i hope you, i hope we get when we pass the show around i hope the kids take it to heart because it's, yes. it's, it's good stuff indeed. indeed how can they reach thank us you. is there any way that they can, can how, reach, how do we find you, you yeah. online I am actually on Instagram at Giovanka, D-I-O-V-A-N-K-A-08. That's my Instagram. And on Facebook, it's Georgette D. Brown. All righty. So we will put something up on our Twitter so and our Facebook so uh, our listeners can find you. Again, Georgette, thank you so much. Um, thank you so much. All righty. Take care now. Enjoy, gentlemen. Bye-bye. Right, bye-bye. I'll tell you what, what. Why is it that all our coolest people are from New York? I don't think, I mean, you know, I mean, people... Give New York a bad time, but I'll tell you, yeah, great people come from up there, man. Yeah, yeah, Is she absolutely. in New York City or, or what? Well, I would not give out her particular location. We uh, could just say it's part of the state. I don't well, know. That's probably because I don't know. I oh, think, okay. Uh, okay. Well, that's um, fair. Brooklyn. Brooklyn. That, okay, that's the five boroughs. That's fine. Yeah. It's okay. wonderful. That's, that's New York City. I'm thinking Brooklyn. City, yeah. I'm thinking Bronx. The last conversation we had, she was moving from one point to the other, so I got it confused. But listen. She's got that, that cool vibe, man. That's where, what it's about. Where, this was yeah. one of our uh, first... This was my first female guest, and I know it shouldn't matter, That's but not it true. does. We had the we had the, the the music girl that was here. 
She she was here as a an impromptu guest. This was she a was a guest. Though. She spoke. She was a guest. We had to give her her royalties for the show. You know, we had to so write her a right. check for like right. thirteen dollars and thirty three cents or something. Thirty three. No, you be part of the I union. Would, she has this special number with thirty three. By the way, where she keeps seeing the number thirty three. So you mentioned uh, thirty three. I'm gonna play this for her. It would be surprising. I, I say I have a roulette table with her name on it. If she's interested, okay. <laughs> so God, the, God knows I've I tried worse. I tried worse theories than that. Okay, at the tables. Okay, but anyway. Good stuff, man. Fantastic. It gets, it's always nice when you can get us to think a little bit. Yes. You yes. Know? And and you're trying it with your 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 professionalism. I like it. That's it's good, a, man. Good good work for you from you this week. This I, segment we 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 taken it. Uh, you have given me the let's say a blank paper and a, a bit of time to work with, and um, you've trusted that I would do good work. And um, the people that I'm that have uh, invited that have been so graceful to to come on and support what we're doing, mm-hmm. um, they they fell into my lap. I wish I could have scripted it like this because it would be perfect. You know, we we started off the show with 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 a legend himself, Shaka Hislop. Mm-hmm. Um, we had we went to Spain with Eric Callis, and then we went to a different part of Spain um, with with John from um, Euro, Europa Point. Then we had a 14-year-old young man talking right, about his right. point of view. And now we have uh, an administrator, a very experienced one who is awesome with a fantastic voice. And she's a beautiful person. You know, I've, 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 I know her. She's a fantastic person. And you get that from her as soon as you hear her voice. No doubt. But, yeah. you know, <clears throat> so you cultivate... You cultivate you know what you're doing because it's good and you're on a great track you're on a great track here so just keep cultivating keep letting those those mind juices like flow, flow. and yes. it's all good but anyway i think we're getting pretty close to the end of the uh we, we got one minute left so i uh, got a final word my friend and uh, we'll take it home well um our fans have been very loyal our our callers, our guests, our the folks on on Twitter that retweet our stuff, um, the folks in the studio that make things happen, that work magic here to make what you hear smooth radio to make that possible. Their hands at work. I just want to say a fantastic thank you to everybody involved um, and to Eric for for keeping this going. You know, <laughs> thank you, my friend. It, it gets a little difficult sometimes. Yes. When I come here and I'm here by myself, I get a little nervous. I want to thank the boys in the studio and I want to you know certainly thank. Kevin today yes. and you for I probably messed you up with the time so I got to be a little better with that so I apologize for that last and not least very special our sponsors okay. you know oh yeah so you you're the man you're the voice well I want to I want to thank Frank McCaffrey the Academy uh, uh, Injury and Healthcare I want to I want to thank our friends from Roughneck Scarves who are making us some beautiful scarves. Oh, yes. I want to thank my my friends at the Iron Abbey who we had a great breakfast today. Unfortunately, I watched my team go down in flames, but oh. then again, I wish I had a dollar for every time I've done that. And uh, lastly, our new friends at uh, Villa Capri in Doylestown. Yes. Wonderful, Matt. Matt's setting up the, the owner's name is Matt. Yes, they're setting up a wonderful soccer experience. Yeah, and actually, because I moved, I had to downsize. Some of my memorabilia is now hanging on their wall, so I believe. So it's very exciting. Fantastic. These guys are so hardcore that they play that 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 finger soccer game. Subatio, did you ever hear of it? No, it's like I'm a game. It's though. very big, a uh, European game. And then at halftime, they go out and play. Or between games, they play the game Tottenham against Arsenal. So unfortunately, big surprise, Arsenal beat Tottenham in the game they were playing there. But Anyway, I want to thank them all. I guess I'm shouting my crew, and I want to shout my daughter just because it's amazing. The little girl that I had 11 years ago yeah. Um, said, "Yeah, Dad, I'm going to try out for the show." She's in sixth grade. Yes, the, the music, Annie, the show. 
Okay, she's gonna try. I don't know. She's like, I'm gonna get you know, I'm gonna get a part. She got the main part. She's oh, wow. she's Annie. So yes. that's pretty that's pretty amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. So a kid that was born, you know, a pound and a half. Yeah. Three months early, premature. Yeah. yeah. Is now you hear the voice that comes out of her. So beautiful things happen if you believe. And on that note, uh, have a great week and we'll talk to you next week. Bye bye.